Shalom, Meshpocha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Donna Chavez. Thank you, Sid, and thank you all for joining us today for Messianic Vision. Now, from the age of 13, our guest's spiritual path was all mapped out for him, and over the next two decades, he was groomed to be one of the most notable New Age leaders of his day. And today, he's going to tell us how his journey of entanglement with the New Age beliefs and practices ended up in a miraculous encounter with a God that he never even believed in. So please welcome Alan Strudwick. Hi, Alan. Hi, thank you for having me today. Oh, absolutely, so excited. Um, Alan, I, I know that you were not raised in a Christian home. Your parents divorced when you were young and you wound up living with your father and your stepmother. But I have to know, how on earth does a boy of 13 become so entangled with the New Age movement? It's um, an interesting question. First of all, I had, did have an encounter a couple of years earlier that, that was quite a spiritual encounter. But um, at 13, I actually moved in, as you said, with my father and my stepmother, but she was heavily involved in Eastern religions, New Age, practice occult, in spiritualism. And, and because of that previous experience I had, I was awakened. Um, I was deceived, but I was awakened to a spiritual realm that now, with my father and his um, influence, he was a very wealthy man, he was able to fly in um, leaders and gurus from different countries to come in to his house and people would arrive and be taught. And at 13, I was very excited that I knew nothing of Christianity and nothing of Jesus at all. And um, I would be sitting sometimes at the feet of these gurus in a, almost like a, you know, a prized position to be able to hear their wisdom. So um, it all started when I was 11, but... Um, by the time I was 13, I was ready. What an influence for such a young boy to be able to, to sit at the feet of these people whom your father and your stepmother were saying were these great leaders and they were wise and they were enlightened mm. and they were sharing all this with you. I can see that. Now, you mentioned something that happened to you a couple of years earlier. I believe you call it your very first supernatural experience. Yeah, definitely. I was 11, and um, I was in the schoolyard with a bunch of my friends, and we were playing this game, not a good game to play. I recommend that anyone's listening to this not to do this, but we were um, trying to black each other out and go unconscious and by hyperventilating and squeezing the chest and doing that. Now, when it was my turn and I blacked out, I actually had a vision of my future. I actually felt like I was you know, between 40 or 50 and in a suit as a business person. That's what I thought at the time. And this vision, I thought, lasted for quite a while. And then when I woke up um, off the school ground, they said I'd been out for about half an hour. I actually felt like I was still that 40 or 50-year-old man, and I had come back into my childhood body. Um, I, it was the weirdest experience I'd ever had at 11. I had no grip for that. And so for the next three or four days, I was very disorientated, thinking, why am I back in my childhood? Why have I gone back in time? That's how strong the vision was for me at that time. So, oh my goodness, the vision is what you perceived as reality. 
And you exactly. were thinking, okay, I'm, I'm this uh, older businessman all dressed up. And why am I running around like a little boy? Exactly. <laughs> well, I was back in that body. So that's why when um, I en- ended up two years later with my father, my, the um, things that my stepmother and these leaders would be saying then gave me an answer for that or at least a grid for that. But, and they had told me it was a lie at the time, but they had told me that what had happened is I had been probably re- – my soul had been reincarnated back into an, a younger body to, to continue a new life. Strange, but that's that's why at 13 I was very hungry to know more. Even with just talking to you for a couple of minutes here, Alan, I can see how strong this information they are putting out there to you would cause such confusion or, or how you would just grasp onto this because it was so so new and interesting. I have to say, wow, sometimes. But I know mm-hmm. as, as these leaders would come into your home and as they watched you over the next couple of years, they recognized something in you. It's like a progress. It's like a leadership ability. And you were actually invited to, to become a part. Correct, yes. I was. In fact, there was a certain Hindu guru that actually asked me if I would, and checked it through, of course, with my parents, but asked if I could be um, one of his sacred people that takes initiations from him. Um, And then once I was accepted, and because of that leadership gift, those um, experiences that I was able to do and demonstrate as well, then... Um, I became a um, initiate under him. So every year I would be initiated with different Hindu gods into my being, and I would progress spiritually. And that was the path. Yes. That I would number one, I would evolve myself spiritually, but number two, I would then start a path of learning about the spiritual realm and learning about how to, in the future, um, help and train other people around the world. So these were actual rituals, actual ceremony-type yes. things that you went through. And explain that to me one more time. During these rituals, it would be so that you could invoke a god, a Hindu god, into you, into your being? Correct. That's exactly it. It's strange um, remembering it, but yes, exactly that. It is a very sacred um, process that they have. Um, it's it's where there's only you and him and maybe one or two other people, and basically that's what you're doing. You're invoking into your being, into your spirit, and into your soul um, a demonic, um, well, I didn't know it was demonic back then, but a Hindu god who would then come into your life and start to train you and guide you. Oh, man. And and there's a goal. Mm-hmm. I know you said you, you would progress and you would go to different levels. What's the ultimate goal here? Well, of course, the ultimate goal in Hinduism, though there was a lot of everything blended in, it's like a smorgasbord of spiritualism. Um, the ultimate goal is to be able to get to the point where you evolve strong enough that you, according to Hindu beliefs, you don't ever need to come back to this planet ever again. Um, you actually reach what they call a nirvana or becoming one with the universe. But that's the ultimate goal. But along the way, as you are initiated, the guru will tell you about your progress and so there's a lot of ego that's put into that as well Mm. for example my guru told me that i had been here for over three hundred thousand lifetimes and so that's how that the whole progress works is that you're here for many lifetimes to learn and in comparison so that you know um, we used to believe that christians were here for their first lifetime so that's why they were very um, ignorant of the spirit so so we still had a lot to learn (laughs) 
That's the deception. That's how the enemy works. And he's the father of lies. So the biggest lie is that um, we can all spiritually evolve and be higher than anybody else. Yes. Especially Christians. Yes. Now, I, I know you've mentioned this. They watched you, this guru. He watched you. He noticed your mm-hmm. leadership mm-hmm. abilities. And at 22, you were accepted into their training program. Now, wh- what did this involve? Well, it was a training program that from the outside was just a normal personal development, that type of thing. But on the inside, it was very deceptive. It was very spiritually orientated with their same beliefs, their same um, principles. And their aim was that we would start training people all around the world, both in business and in non-business and personal and spiritual retreats and everything, where we would be indoctrinating them with our beliefs and our system. The ultimate goal is that we thought we'd be spreading peace across the planet. Mm-hmm. But in fact, we were spreading something else. But So ultimately, that's why. And these secret meetings, um, once I got high enough, and it was always the guru that would decide how high you were allowed to go or who you were, in these secret meetings, we basically believed the rest of the world didn't understand the spiritual realm that much. So our job was to secretly spread peace across the planet through our organizations. And so some of them are very hidden organizations. They had different fronts to them. Um, and then in some of the secret meetings, we would talk about with other leaders from other organizations about how do we help change the, the planet. We felt like you know, you could change a culture in 30 years. So what would be the things we would implement so that in 30 years' time, everybody would think what we were doing was normal? So they wanted to replace... Uh, what what we were doing now, uh, believers, uh, Christians, whoever, mm-hmm. with the New Age philosophies and practices. Exactly. And in fact, you know, even come after Christians and try and wean them across to what we believe. Yes, yes. But you discovered something that I found so interesting when I was studying this topic and this message in your book here, Alan. You discovered that spreading the peace and the love and all these great practices around the world wasn't exactly what was happening. What did you Mm -hmm. find out that was happening? My heart was to help people transform their lives for the better, and that's how deception works. I thought I was doing the right thing. But I started to see in in everything, not just our personal development or business, but even in spiritual treats, we started to see, especially me personally, people who I'd be teaching would end up um, in psych wars and have psychotic episodes. Other people would be um, committing suicide. Some people were um, leaving their jobs, leaving their um, spouses. And there was just a lot of bad fruit, if that's the right way I could say it. And so that really affected me because that wasn't my aim. My aim in my heart was that I wanted to help these people. But I just kept seeing over and over all of these bad things. So I actually then decided I need to ask my guru. I need to find out why is this happening? Why would you know such bad things be happening to people that we're trying to make better? And his very interesting response was that these people on the planet are just not evolved enough yet in this spirit to handle the energy or what we were giving them. Mm-hmm. Now, that didn't sit well with me because I thought that was just shoving it under the, under the carpet, but that was his answer. 
Yes, yes. Well, as you can hear, Alan had come face to face with some some of the tragedies of the New Age movement, and he was about to have a face-to-face encounter of a different kind. But before we get into that, let me tell you about this powerful resource package that Alan has prepared for you. It's his brand new book and his brand new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series called Authentic Awakening, Avoiding the Counterfeit. So as always, remember that Sid will be here at the end of the program to tell you how you can get this amazing must-have resource in your home or in your small group or for your church library. So Alan, let me ask you this. So you've discovered some things about the new age. Uh, People were even to the point, some in psychiatric wards, leaving their families, Mm -hmm. leaving their jobs, doing all this, this crazy sporadic behavior, some even to the point of committing suicide. Now, this this was not okay with you, as you said, and you went to your guru, and he basically kind of swept it under the rug. Where did you go from there? Uh, I was very confused because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know there's no one else to go to because you are directly under that master, that guru. And um, and if you question too much, you're threatened that you'll lose your spiritual um, level. And so you could be dropped back. And so in that fear, there's no way I could do anything. So I, I had nowhere to go. But I knew I needed to have an answer. There had to be something. But at that point, I didn't know what to do or how to do it. I then, um, in a course that I was doing, I thought, I might just, I might fill in the questionnaire because I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Here I am going to teach a whole group of students. Maybe I can sort of teach myself as well through the course. So I answered the, the question, which is, if you could have anything you wanted, what would you do? And it's a typical question. But I answered it that I wanted to have a more of a, a personal relationship with whatever or whoever God is, which is a strange thing to ask when you're yes. so high up as I was. In yes. um, but it was a question I needed to ask. And then the, the result of that was that within the course, I had an open vision. Okay, so so Alan, you were continuing to facilitate these personal development seminars and you were doing your thing. And I understand you have a questionnaire that the students fill out. And so this day you decided, okay, well, maybe it would help me if I fill out the questionnaire. Maybe it kind of get me back on track. Maybe it'll, maybe I can help myself. So what happened when you did that? Well, within the course, I actually had an actual open vision. I was taking people through what they call a guided imagery exercise, but I had this open vision right there in the room of, and it was this, like, what all I could describe back then in my words was a spiritual being in front of me, but I knew it was God. I just knew he was just off in the distance, about 15 feet away, and this wild, bright light all around him. And then there was this figure on his right-hand side, and I just knew. I just knew it was Jesus. Now, I knew nothing about Jesus. I knew nothing about Christianity except that my guru had said that maybe he was a, you know, a prophet or something like that, just like Muhammad. But... I was like, I just somehow knew that that was Jesus on his right-hand side. And um, and then Jesus then spoke and said, hold out your hands. And I held them out and stretched, and then these um, like beams of light came flying from his hands into my hands. And, and I said, what's that for? And he said, in the future, you'll lay hands on people and they'll, and they'll be well. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but you need to remember, I know nothing about Christianity. I know yes. nothing about the Bible at yes. all. So obviously God doesn't care. He still loved me that much, and he still <laughs> appeared to me. Yes. Um, you know, which is awesome for him to do that to me. 
And so then I said, that was the end of that experience. So here I had seen God and I'd seen Jesus. And then again, for the next two or three days, I was very disorientated. But I had there was something inside of me that uh, I knew, this is going to sound strange. I felt like I needed to go to church. And I'd never been in one in my life. But I felt I needed to go to church. And I used to have spiritual beings um, uh, like show up to me and guide me. And it was interesting because they didn't guide me at this point. I just felt inside my spirit I needed to go to this church. So when I got to this, I got to this church one day. This is what I thought was going to happen. Remembering that that my belief system was that Christians had only been here for their first lifetime, so therefore spiritually ignorant. Where we and me had been here for over three hundred thousand, so I was very spiritually evolved. So I'm thinking I'm going to be in this church, and at some point the universe is going to shift or the energy is going to shift, and they're going to ask me to come up front and actually um, speak to them about new wisdom. Now, you know, even when I say that now, it sounds pretty stupid, but at the time, that's exactly what I believed. So you thought you go to this church, and, and probably the universe has led you there, and these people who are so unenlightened are at some point going to say, Alan, why don't you come up here and enlighten us? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that silly. But that's what I thought. That's where I was at, and that's what I thought. There was no other reason why I thought I'd need to go to a church. But then when I was at this church, of course, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for this moment to whatever was going to happen and shift, but it never happened. What happened was that the pastor, the preacher at the time, just kept talking about Jesus out of the scriptures, Matthew 11, in 28 to 30, where he talks about his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And, and that triggered to me because I knew about yokes. That's a, that's a strong Hindu term about um, yoking to the gods and yoking to who you're following and your guru. And you, you do not break that. You know it's a spiritual joining to that, that Godhead. But here was this other Lord, and this preacher talking about, you know, this other Lord saying, come to me if you're you know, heavy laden, and I was, because the spirits that I had inside of me, what they do is they take you through pain so that you evolve. They don't take you through peace. They take you through pain. Um, so when I heard this the preacher talking about this Lord, give me rest, and that if I took his yoke, I'd learn from him, and he'd be gentle. All the ones that spirits that I followed to learn from were made it hard. It was tough. So here I'm hearing about this other Lord in this way, and I'm like, well, well, hang on, I've got other Lloyds inside me. I might go and try this one. <laughs> now, when you, when, you say, when you say, okay, uh, why not try this one, what did you do? Well, I mean, that's logical in one way because it's like I, I knew about Lloyds. At that stage, I had about 13 or 14 of them in me from the Hindu initiations. I thought, I'll just try this one out. So what I did is he actually, the pastor did a, a call if anyone wanted this Lord in their heart to come out. So I went out the front, like with a bunch of people, and and I said the prayer. And when I said the prayer, I had a and I'd had spiritual experiences all for two decades. And I'm talking about, and I don't have time now to talk to the listeners about them, but there's so many spiritual experiences. But when I when I said that prayer, something happened in my in the center part of my being. I knew something spiritually had happened. Because I and I knew the spirit world, something had happened. I didn't know what at that stage, but I knew something had happened. And actually, from that day to this day, I've never changed. I still know what God did to my spirit at that moment. Yes. So anyway, so I I said the prayer, but I didn't actually then go and decide I'll become a Christian. Though most people would think that, 
what I was doing at the time was, all right, I'm going to test this Jesus out. If he says he's Lord and his yoke is easy, his burden's light, I'm going to try him out. So I didn't tell anyone anything that I'd done in my whole life. I just for 12 months decided I found a Bible from my mother and I actually started to do anything that I needed help with or anything that I might have, you know, in any way, I would not go to the other Hindu lords. I would go to this Jesus Lord. I'd find out what he said to do and I would do it. And for 12 months straight, I had miracle after miracle after miracle wow. in every area of my life. Whew. Every area of my life, spiritual, mental, financial, emotional. It, it was that incredible. So you just took him at his word. You found it in the mm-hmm. word, and you followed simply what he said to do in the word, and it resulted in miracles. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Real miracles. (laughs) That makes me pretty excited here, Alan. Give me one example. Oh, for example, and this is the most common one, but I had a short leg, so my back would throw out all the time, over and over and over and over, and I could sometimes be in bed for a week. And and I threw my back out at at this one point, and I was like, oh, that's right, I'm not going to chant. I'm going to find out what this Jesus guy says. So I looked and found it. He said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I thought, okay, so I laid hands on my back. And I prayed a simple, you know, in Jesus' name, that was about all. And my whole back cracked from the bottom to the top. This is if there was a chiropractor manipulating my body. And there was, I jumped around because I thought, am I going to see an angel doing that? I'm going to see something else. Or what did that? Because there's no one else here in the room with me. Um, but it was miraculous. And from that day to now, I've never had trouble with that. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you, so now at the end of this year, what are you seeing the differences? What what was Jesus offering you? Well, at first it was like everything about him was good. <laughs> everything. He his you know, his yoke was easy when I was following him. His he did give me rest and he did take care of my burdens. It was like this this Lord actually loves me. That's kind of the bottom line, was that he loved me and I was like, Well all the others, they don't. They make it painful. But in my logical part of the spiritual was that, okay, we believed, and so and many other organizations around that are involved in, in the falsehood of all this, believe that many roads, many spiritual roads lead up to wherever we want to go. And so I'm now thinking, well, I've actually found one better. So if I found one better than the other ones, wouldn't everyone around me love to hear about that? Sure. Because we were all supposedly on the same path, searching and wanting to evolve. So I started continuing then after that 12 months to teach, but I, I didn't teach the old practice. I would tell them about Jesus and hide out of the room, get up and walk out. <laughs> oh, dear. And I'm talking thousands of people that I'd be in a seminar and ready to teach them, and they'd get up and walk out or yell at me and all sorts of weird things. And I was like, hang on, I'm here to teach you. I got very confused because I'm teaching you truth, but you actually don't want this truth. And it's better, and I'm I'm proof of it. I, you know, I did it this way. Now I do it this way, and so I thought oh, I've only got one place to go. I have to go and tell my guru. And so I, I went and had a meeting, secret meeting with my guru, and and told him everything. And um, that was at the point when the first time I saw evil, his whole face manifested into something pretty awful. Um, he got up, he yelled at me, he evicted me out of the whole movement. So at that point, two things happened. One, I lost everything including family, um, everything, because everything in my life was involved in that in that organization, and I was committed to it and part of it. So everything is taken away from me. 
That was the first thing. The second thing was I felt peace about it. And I actually, for the first time, started to talk to this God, this Jesus, and asked him, I asked him, what's going on? Why did my guru do that? And that's when Jesus told me, he said, there actually is evil and there is an enemy, and he showed me where to read and find out about it. I like the the word that you used in your book when you said undeniable. It was an undeniable truth when you met Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Let me stop you right there just for a second. We sure. are talking with former international New Age leader turned walking, breathing, on fire, threat to Satan, moving in miracles, signs, and wonders, believer now. And we are so excited to have you with us today, Alan. Once again, Sid and I want to remind you that are listening that Alan Strudwick's brand new book and his brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series called Authentic Awakening, Avoiding the Counterfeit. Wow, that's a pretty strong title. And I have to say that certainly fits what you're teaching here, Alan. It's available today for everyone that would like to order that. And Sid will be here at the end of the program to tell you exactly how you can get it. I promise you it is full of information that you can use for yourself, for anyone else that you know that might be involved in any of these practices. It's life-changing, and really for some, it's life-saving. So, Alan, let's get back to your story here. You had come to this conclusion. You had all these gods inside of you, and now you had met Jesus. You had invited him in, and you found him to be the one true God. Authentic awakening. Wow. Yes. In fact, if anything, I think that Jesus is the only one that is authentic in the, in the perfect sense. Um, it's interesting because I, I then got shown a scripture, John fourteen six, where Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. My guru used to quote that but put light at the end of it, not life. Uh-huh. And that's when God showed me that there's a deception. The deception is that they don't believe Jesus is life. They don't want any, anyone to have eternal life. And Jesus also said, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's the biggest deception that's out there. And probably one of the main reasons why I had to write the book in this season. It's funny because, you know, people say, why didn't you write it, you know, 20 years ago? I had to wait till God wanted me to do it. And it was, God told me and warned me, there'll be a season, there'll be a lot of false teachers and deception out there, which is happening now in the season we're in. And um, and so God, I, the book was to show that someone like me, actually God can love them that much that I can actually then come to him and, and be loved by him, but to actually know he's the only way. Yes. In, in the, all of the New Age and the spiritual things, the reason they work so well, unfortunately, is that people get to sin but feel spiritual. And that's that's the deception of the enemy. I even am working with Christians now and helping them that have actually fallen away through interdue practices and blending both and wondering why their life is not as you know as powerful and as free as it should be and why they're not getting you know victory in their lives. And that's why. And I know that that's one of the callings I have for this book. Is And so if anyone's listening today, that's one of the most major things that people are giving me feedback on in my life and my story is the fact that I've been on both sides. I've worked for the enemy and now I work for God and I know the truth. 
Whoa. Alan, I am just amazed at, at how you relay that story, and we can hear your heart in it. You have told us so many things that you experienced once you accepted Jesus into your heart as the one true Savior and Lord. And mm-hmm. we talked about love. We talked about joy. But a, a couple of years later, your father died, and you experienced something else that, that Jesus helped you with. Yeah, it's... Um... We were very close. My father and I were very close um, in many ways, even to the point that once I had left and been thrown out, he would still secretly meet me, even though he was told by the guru he couldn't, but he would. We, we had a very close relationship. But he, um, when he died, I was like, wow, the grief gripped me. I'd never felt that before in my life. And, of course, my, my instant reaction would be to, you know, delve into what I call man's methods or man's ways of doing stuff. And I was like, no, 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 that's not working. I've got to find out a way. This is not getting rid of the grief. And then again, I thought, well, of course, I've got to find out how Jesus and what he would suggest to do. And so I actually was in church one day, and then I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to go down front and give it to me. And then he showed me the scriptures. He said, cast your cares upon me because I care. And if you know, and again, that's what the scripture that saved me is that, you know, if you are um, heavy laden, and that he'll give me rest. So I went out the front and I just declared it to him. I said, if this is your word, I stand on your word. I'm going to be that simple. And I, and I gave it to him. And there at the altar, the grief was taken away. It was taken away supernaturally. Anytime I think of him now, I, sure, I miss him, but I think of all the pleasure and I think of all the good times. I think of everything. The grief was miraculously taken away. But that's what God said in his word. And that maybe that's the advantage that I have, and I'm hopefully I can inspire some of your listeners, is that his word, Jesus' word, not just works, it's not some magical principle, it's actually his love for us. And, I, and that's what I felt my whole life, because I, I, you know, I was under a guru and other people that didn't love you, other lords, Hindu lords that don't love you. He truly loves, and he, he took that away from me. Yes. So I would not be in pain anymore. Yes, and he gave you in return peace, which was something that was new, new for you. Oh, very new. I'd never felt that sort of peace. And I know the, the Scripture says um, he'll give you a peace that goes beyond understanding, um, but that's true. The peace, I, I, I never have understood it, <laughs> the peace that I have. And it's, it's different because, again, let me just tie back in with the New Age background of mine. We used to go and chant or go into ashrams and do all that sort of stuff to try and get peace. But then the thing is, as soon as you left the ashram or went back into life, the peace disappeared. But with the peace that I have you know, with Jesus is totally different. It's in my heart, it's in my spirit, and it doesn't leave me. You can't conjure it up. You can't make your feelings. It's it's not something that's of this world. It comes from him. Yes, yes, that is exactly right. Now, I know as you went on and and you grew in your spiritual walk with the one true God, with Jesus here, Mm -hmm. you had a lot of questions, Alan, that just just were nagging at you. How did this happen? Yeah, exactly. I thought, I'm an intelligent person. How did I get deceived? How did I, as they say, drink the Kool-Aid? Why, why did I end up down that path? And in that nagging, I like finding out facts. I like finding out things, and I, and I dedicate it to it. That's why I did the 12 months with Jesus, just to find what is it? How do I dedicate and do this? So I decided that I, the first thing I wanted to do is that I wanted to discover the first reason, and that number one that I discovered was that there was actually an enemy. That, you know, because we didn't believe there was anything such as that, as these yes. or anything. So I, I found in the Word of God, and Jesus talks about warnings all the time. 
there is an enemy that wants to deceive us, um, ruin our lives, you know, and he wants to create eventually an eternal death for us and to mankind. And I know that God's the opposite. I know that he sent his son for our redemption and, and to have eternal life. I know that. The interesting other thing was is that I thought, but still in my intelligence, how did that happen? So I did a I did a two or three year study of going backwards, almost like re-engineering all the new age stuff that's around now and taking it back through history and finding out where did all this start? The interesting thing that happened is at the end of my study, I found that every single new age God that's around now or Hindu God that's around now, if you study it back through the history and back through the countries, it all ends up back into the Old Testament where God over 250 times warned his people, do not follow the foreign gods of foreign people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're the same names. They've been changed throughout history. But that's what I did through research and found that they had been changed, 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 changed to what they are now, 2003, 4,000 years later. But they are still the same yes. demonic, deceiving spirits. Yes, and and the deceiver himself, you said one, one mm-hmm. of the ways that he deceives is to basically make you think that he doesn't exist, that there's not any yes. evil. Exactly. In fact, that was one of our secret meetings. That was one of the things we decided we would spread that that lie. We even knew in the New Age it was a lie. We knew there was demonic stuff in one way, but we knew that if we, you know, if we spread this out, we need to make it palatable. And so that was one of the one of the um, strategies was to make sure that everyone thought that there's no evil, there's no hell, there's none of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Alan. I know a lot of people will be like you and say, oh, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm an intelligent person. I, I believe in God. There's, there's no way that I would ever be deceived like that. But mm-hmm. do you find that there are actually practices and, and principles that are, that are actually creeping into the church? And something you said a moment ago, wow, really struck me. You said because what the the New Age is offering them is to be able to live like they want to and live in sin or live however, but yet feel Mm -hmm. spiritual. Boy, that's a powerful statement. Do you find that that's even creeping into the modern church? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, definitely. I was part of, a again, in a secret meeting where we made that a strategy. We actually made it a written-down strategy that in 30 years' time, we were going to convert our principles so they would be normal within a church or with normal Christians and that they'd be deceived and think they were normal. Now, it took 30 years, but unfortunately, it it worked. There's a lot of deception. There's a lot of practices that are very um, spiritual practices that are not from God that have crept into the church and into the body of Christ. I am... talking and trying to disciple many Christians that have actually come out and now they're repenting and renouncing and coming back after, you know, looking or talking to me or finding out things that are in the book. It's a, it's a very powerful tool. There's been even lots of Christians who have used the book to actually give to their friends who are following other practices. Yes, yes. But yes, that was part of the strategy. And it's the enemy's strategy to, to, to do that, to try and make everyone think that he doesn't exist. Wow, that is so interesting and and hopefully enlightening and awakening to some people that might be listening. I know this was was such great information for me. Alan, you teach that there are two great and powerful, great and powerful influences that actually motivate us in our lives. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the two that I've experienced throughout my whole walk with God, one of them is fear. I see it uh, in day-to-day all the time with people that I'm working with or doing it. And the fear is that it motiv- – and, of course, the originator of fear is not God. The originator of fear is the enemy. Right. And he's there to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus was the one that told us about that and warned us. But this fear, it, it can do everything. It motivates and does influence. It'll motivate um, decisions. It'll um, cause people to not act on things. It'll cause people not to go to God because they 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 don't understand it. But ultimately, that fear, it's like a tool from the enemy. I mean, I lived in that for decades of the, the whole fear of you're going to lose your spiritual thing. You're going to do this. You're, you're going to lose all that stuff. And it wasn't until I read in Timothy that it says that, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So the first thing I, I got out of that was, well, God doesn't do it. He's not going to give us a spirit it's of fear. not from him, yeah. So it's going to be from somewhere. And, um, and so the second thing I then found out that it was actually from the enemy. Yes. It's one of his strategies is fear. Because when people have fear, they're either they don't do something or they're bound or they won't speak up or because it grips them because it's not them, it's a spirit. But then as soon as they accept it, it then... Um, it, it'll do all sorts of things to them. But I love the fact that when God talks, even in that scripture, there's one thing that says that comes from the enemy, which is fear. But there's three things that come from God, <laughs> a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind. Yes. So we get an abundance, always have an abundance with God over the enemy, and I love that. So then the other huge, great, and powerful influencer is love, and that's what Jesus brings. It's the greatest influence of us. I mean, first of all, I found that out with the fact that Jesus came to me while I was not just still a sinner, but I hate—I was against him. I was so against him in the New Age and fighting against him and speaking against him and convincing Christians to renounce Christianity. He, Jesus loved me so much, he still came and visited me. He still came and rescued me, mm. even though I was against him. That, that, that is such unexplainable. Sure reckless love towards someone and that's what he does and it's such a motivator knowing that jesus loves us that much that there is power in that love and then also there's power that that comes through his word in that Mm -hmm. because that's where his authority comes from to both of those i think of the scripture that you were just talking about scripture that he gives us about this love and and you weren't even serving him and i think of that where where the word says even while we were yet sinners he, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he he died for us. Wow. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, I keep getting this image of him in this extreme pain on the cross, but he's seeing me. And and, and he sees you and, and listeners. He's seeing you. He, he did all this for us. That's how much he loves us. It's, it, it is totally unexplainable. Yes. But that's what I love about it. Yes. Because it is real. You know, when you described that vision uh, a few moments ago, when when you saw Jesus and he held out his hands and your hands and Mm -hmm. these beams of light were coming into your hands. And he said to you, Alan, this this is so that you can touch other people and they can find healing. Wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting because. At the time, I didn't really know what I was talking about, but as, as you can imagine, as I started reading the Word and reading scriptures, I started to find out things about Jesus and about that He was on the right, that He's on the right hand side of the Father, uh, and that's how He was when I saw Him, and and that you know He does say, "Lay hands on the sick in His name, and they'll recover." And and the thing that I love about 
that vision is not that I'm anything special. It wasn't that he gave me special powers. What he was doing was showing me almost like a type and shadow of the future for me because he knew he knew I loved people. He put that in me. He put that in me that I want to see people's lives change for the better. The, the enemy came along and deceived me with that through my family and, and took me off track. But Jesus brought me back on track to the original purpose that I have, which is to help people. And so when I, I, when I lay hands on people or um, pray for people and that healing power, I see God work. It's not me. I can't cure a pimple or a headache. But I know that when I step out in his name, yes. based on what that vision was, I've seen God do miracles and miracles and miracles. And, um, and I love it that it's God doing it, not me. Um, that's why I just wanted to say that even though Jesus shot the light rings into me, I still think it was just a type and shadow. It's not a power that's in me. It's nothing that I have. It's simply how powerful he is. Yes. Um, and that's, that is a difference between New Age and the New Age leader to um, Christianity for me is that in the New Age, you've got to do it yourself. You're told you're the God, you're the self-God. You've got to psych yourself up for that power. And I would feel that power, but I found out later it was just demonic power flowing through me. Where with God, he gets all the glory. It's all about his love. It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with my power or anything. It's his power. Yes. That's why I love him so much. You know, there's an interesting thought there. Uh, That sort of takes the pressure off of us, doesn't it? Well, it should. (laughs) (laughs) It should. It should. That's how the enemy, unfortunately, works. That it's all about us, and it's all about performance and works. It's it's not. I understand we're to do good works, and we're told in, sure. you know, in Matthew that if we do good works, then the, the unsaved will recognize God through that. But it's not us. I'm glad it's not. I lived two decades trying to <laughs> trying to live up to it. Wow. Oh, when we can understand that it it's the love and the authority through Jesus' name and his and his mm-hmm. power that does the works. Wow, what a revelation. Exactly. I, I want to take just a moment and have you pray for the listeners before we leave. And you know, you have said throughout this interview, Alan, you have said words that just like fly off the page at me and I look at them and I hear your story of how you were so bound in performance and needing Mm -hmm. to prove yourself and and just bound by all these things and now you're experiencing love and you're experiencing joy and you're experiencing peace and power Mm -hmm. and learning about his authority Will, will you pray before we go for that authentic awakening for our listeners, and and just pray for them however you would like to. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you, Lord. To everybody that's listening, Father, I first of all just pray that there's an awareness and an awareness of the spirit that you've put inside them, that that spirit is one of love and of joy and of happiness and of goodness towards them, Father. Let them become awakened to that. Let them, with the words that I've spoken, that you've told me to speak today, Father, let those words gather fruit in the name of Jesus. Let them build and build in people's spirits, Father. And, Father, I pray that if there's anybody in any way, even at this point, have fear or anxiety or or worry or stress, Father, I first will take authority in the name of Jesus over that. 
and remove that from their lives. Yes. But Father, I pray that you increase now, Father, you increase your love, you increase that even the spirit of power and of that love be upon them. Father, I just pray that there's a, a knowing of how special and unique they are to God. I pray for God, your goodness, God, to be upon them, your love to be upon them. And Father, more importantly, I just pray that there's a spirit of discernment a yes. spirit of discernment that comes upon yes. everybody listening to this. And that in that spirit, they realize that the spirit that comes from Jesus is one of love and one of peace and one of supernatural uh, miracles in life, Father. And Father, I, I, I pray Romans 12, 2 on them, that, the, that they don't conform to the world anymore or the world's wisdom, but they are renewed in their mind, transformed in their mind into your word, Father, that, that as they've heard me, that there's a, there's a, um, like a pilot light has, has, has started inside them, that yes. then is yes. fueled with your love, Father, and that fire increases and increases and increases for a desire to the word of God, to the desire to you, Father, versus the world. And I just thank you, Father, that, um, that all of everything that's been said, will affect not only the listeners' lives, but but more and more of the families of the listeners and the friends and even yes. the enemies of the listeners, yes. Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 Alan, well, thank you for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. I've loved it. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Me too. And I'm sure everyone who's listening has enjoyed it as well and learned so, so much. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get Authentic Awakening, Avoiding the Counterfeit by Alan Strudwick. Sid? In Alan Strudwick's brand new book, Authentic Awakening, Dismantling the New Age Counterfeit, he tells of his life of deep entanglement with New Age beliefs and practices and a miraculous encounter with a God he didn't even believe in. Alan clearly dismantles any confusion and deception surrounding the New Age, knowing the reality of both, the dark and deceptive, as well as the light and truth. Alan reveals the truth. This is a powerful, enlightening, and must-have resource for your family or church. It's Alan's brand new book, Authentic Awakening, Dismantling the New Age Counterfeit, and his brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series, Dismantling the New Age Counterfeit, and we have a surprise bonus for you. He's doing a special audio CD in which he's going to tell you of secret meetings that he was in, in which he learned how to teach in the West all of the New Age and, and Hindu practices disguised as good things, and guess what? It's invaded the churches, a must audio, all for an investment of only 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9728. Once again, that's offer number 9728. 
28.